Hi, this is Corncod One, a paleoconservative on steroids. Gee, I must issue my listeners an apology for uh, giving last week a skip. Uh, like many people who are into forms of new media, I actually have to work a couple of jobs for a living. And uh, one of them got particularly busy, and I had to make the horrible choice between doing a delightful podcast and eating. I chose eating. Uh, but once again, my apologies, though. Uh, there's so much going on right now of interest that uh, a, you know, a lot of things deserve mention. Of course, the biggest thing going on in the world right now, I think, is the, uh, the yellow vest movement in France. The French people uh, uh, infuriated over the sort of heartless and uh, stale leadership of Emmanuel Macron. After only 18 months in power, they've become completely disgusted with the man. I mean, what a wonderful uh, rebuke to uh, radical environmentalism, where, you know, he's adding to these taxes uh, on fuel, uh, you know, for the sake of, uh, you know, controlling carbon emissions. You know, well, of course, we all know that uh, that the whole global... Global warming, climate change thing is a lot is a lot of hokum, uh, but you know the peop the people of France just got tired of it, and hundreds of thousands of them hit the streets. Some of them got rather violent, in particular in the streets of Paris. But hey, if you're a student of French history, like I am, uh, not a not an extremely deep student, but I've read enough. Uh, the Paris mob has always been a major influencer in giant changes in French history. Uh, the biggest change, uh, you know, the, some of the big changes in French history, the Paris mob has been, you know, was like the, the rise of Napoleon, Napoleon Bonaparte was uh, put in his job as the de facto dictator of France by the Paris mob. And it was also, unfortunately, in 1968, the Paris mob, which was composed of leftist hippie scum, uh, turned both, you know, uh, uh, signaled a turning both in Europe and the United States toward the extreme left. And we've been... Uh, We've been unfortunately on that train ever since 1968. But what we've seen in France is essentially, although, don't get me wrong, some left-wing organizations were involved, sort of left-wing populist organizations. But what we saw was something I've been praying for and hoping for for years, a right-wing riot. And not just any kind of riot, totally diso total disorder. And, you know, I think... Macron was stubbornly held on to not giving any concessions to those who want, wanted to get rid of the energy taxes. But I think, I think it was when the ambulance drivers and the, even the gendarmes, 
the, the French riot police, uh, were beginning to side with the demonstrators that uh, I think that's what caused him to uh, cuck, so to speak, to use an alt-right slang expression, and, uh, and give way on the, on the issue of taxation. But he waited for so long... That now the big, you know, the big issue is as well. Are they going? Is the mob? Is our mob? The good people of France? Are they going to ask for more? You know, it's amazing that these uh, that these yellow vest people are supported by anywhere from sixty to seventy percent of the French people, depending on what poll you are looking at. So here we have people, you know, some of them at least, uh, most of them peaceful, but some of them burning cars, duking it out with the police, burning down buildings and such. And they're supported by the majority of the French populace. I mean, Macron's uh, popularity has gone down to about 25%. He's an arrogant man. I mean, you know, some people say that... Uh, Monsieur Trump is an arrogant man. And although, yeah, I mean, he is a rather self-congratulatory person. But, it, but one, one thing that Macron did that Trump never did was to refer to himself as Jupiter, as a, as a kind of a pagan god. I mean, the guy's a legend in his own mind. If you read his biography uh, on the web, if you look at various biographies, he's a guy that, like, at every step in his career... Uh, and education and such, uh, never lost, never failed, never saw a setback, or at least extremely few. His political career was just one triumph after another. I mean, did he get all these political triumphs because he had an excellent turn of phrase or was a pretty boy? I'm beginning to think that's the real reason why. And uh, I think now, like may in the united kingdom you know like merkel in germany and now macron in france uh that all the major leaders of the western democracies are now lame ducks you know when uh you know frau merkel uh was humiliated by her own party and her own people, and her popularity became extremely low, and she was forced to resign her chairmanship of the party, although she she remains chancellor. Uh, you know the the baton was handed over to Macron as being the you know the chief uh, public globalist in Western Europe, the chief advocate of the European Union. And uh, now Macron has failed, and failed miserably. Uh, with, you know, he's barely got slightly over 25% approval rating. And this is really, really quite amazing. I mean, this yellow vest thing, it could be a catalyst for revolution, 
Or on the other hand, it could be something that falls apart in a couple of weekends. God knows. You know, maybe if I were uh, closer to day-to-day French politics, maybe I'd know. But I think even those people really don't know what's going to happen. All I see on the part of the press, uh, at least the ones who decide to cover it, at least in the United States, is, you know, a disinclination to make any hard and fast conclusions about where this movement is headed. You know, we could be in a situation like Kai Maros always spoke of, where, you know, it would take a an incident as insignificant as the flutter of a butterfly's wings to start a revolution in Europe. And it's certainly not the kind of major issue, I would think, that would start things up, that would start start us into uh, an era of political revolution, gas, ta- gas taxes in France. Who would have known? Who could have known? Except that, the, except that the people are restless. You know, I think, the way I look at it, you know, who is going to lead this revolution, whether it be a peaceful revolution or a violent revolution in France, who is going to be the revolutionary leader? Now, some would uh, automatically state, hey, you know, Marine Le Pen of the National Rassemblement, the, uh, the national rally, the new, the new name for the National Front, the traditional uh, nationalist party of France, uh, founded by her father, who I like a lot more than her. Her father, Jean-Marie Le Pen. But, you see, uh, Le Pen's daughter, Marine, she's been spending 10 years trying to moderate the, uh, the party and trying to make it more and more acceptable to, you know, bourgeois voters, people that are not interested in radical change. And she continued this, you know, after her defeat in the runoff in 2017. Now, some people saw the events of 2017 in France as a great victory for the New World Order and a great victory for uh, globalism and such. I didn't see it as such. I, I said, hey, you know, they've made the runoff. In the, in the French presidential election, which happens very, very frequently in their system. So, uh, I think, you know, I, I think it's part of, a, the whole thing was a part of an arc of gradually gaining steam. But I don't think Marine Le Pen, because what she's been doing in the last 10 years, even to the extent of throwing her own father out of the party in order to moderate it, she may now not be the person to lead the revolution. So there might be someone out there that we're not looking at, someone out there that we're not looking for, who could be the right-wing Lenin, so to speak, of a French revolution, whether violent or peaceful. So it'd be in- it's going to be extremely interesting to see how all this works out in time. Uh, so the situation in Europe is, you know, very fluid right now. And 
you know, the big question in the back of my mind is, you know, how is all this going to play out in terms of the EU elections coming in May? Are we going to see a real, uh, a real rise in both right and left-wing populist and nationalist movements in Europe? Or is there, the, I think the only question is, is it going to be a large victory for them or a small victory for them? Uh, and uh, frankly, uh, I don't know, but, you know, it looks like it may be a larger victory for them because the, the whole thing in Europe is galloping. You know, the Chemnitz protests in Germany, uh, the rise of the AFD, you know, even in England, which unfortunately, you know, out of all the countries in Europe, they're not, they're the ones that, that are least in a revolutionary situation in terms of, uh, in terms of they're not being a strong nationalist party in England. But the Brexit thing is going to be heating up, and a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of English observers are saying, well, yeah, mm, maybe the people of England will start getting mad if we don't remove ourselves from, uh, from the uh, European Union. So, wow, you know, events are going fast and furious. I'm, ve- I'm very much interested in seeing... What to what extent next week's yellow vests demonstration in France is. And uh, so it's a very, very interesting time to be alive, uh, especially if you're an elderly nationalist like myself. I was always looking for, you know, a great, a great explosion. Well, it's come, you know, as we've mentioned many times. It's come on an electoral level, but will it come on a revolutionary level? That's That will be telling. But uh, this is Corn Cod One, a paleoconservative on steroids, signing off.